Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. What are you waiting for? Well, to be honest, I don't think any of us like waiting. And, you know, how many times do we feel like we are sitting in the waiting room of life? Um, Okay, but hold that thought. And um, I want you to wait a second because we want to remind everyone that before we get too far into our show, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And I have to go back to the, the waiting place, which is funny because I love Dr. Seuss and the, the book, uh, the places, the, Oh, the places you'll go. Mm-hmm. And the, the waiting if for, for those of you who are out there who haven't read that book in a few years, um, when it talks about the waiting place and it's so true. And right now I have a house full of waiters they have two kids in college and they have, you know, applications in, they've done their interviews for internships and just jobs for the summer. And my youngest one, of course, is counting the days for summer. And it, it just seems like we're always in that anticipation. Uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes to just be content in the moment. It seems like we're all thing. Even when you're waiting for that waiting moment and the waiting moment happens, then you're, then you're waiting for something else. Exactly. And you know what? Um, a lot of times when you're in that waiting, you feel like you're just kind of stalled or stuck because you're like, I can't move forward. I'm kind of in that limbo land. I'm just waiting. I'm not going backwards necessarily, but I'm not going forwards. And that's just a hard place to be. I don't like that place. And, but so many times we do find our place uh, that that is where we, where we are. Well, you know, as we were talking about this waiting thing, it, it kind of, you know, conjures up, okay, so what are the things that we wait for? And I don't know about you, but I immediately went to, okay, we wait in long lines. And I am so notorious for, like, if I, I don't know about you, Patty, but, like, when you're in, you know, the grocery store or whatever, or checking out, like, at Sam's or Costco, and there's generally these long lines, you know? And I, you, we all go, and we kind of walking up, we saunter up, and we're assessing the lines. We're assessing the checkout people to see how fast we think we're, they're going to be. And we check out, you know, people's purchases, like how, how much is in their basket or what they're doing. And it seems to me, no matter how much I think I'm going to win at this, you know, because it's almost like a little competition because you see somebody, you're like, okay, I want to get through the line ahead of that person in that aisle. I am, I always, something happens where they have to do a price check or, they haven't renewed their, you know, their membership, like at a Sam's or, or Costco or, and it's like, I just, I just laugh. Cause it's like, it's sometimes you want to get ahead. You think I'm going to eliminate the waiting part and it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I know I'm that way. Um, just in the, 
doctor's office or I was just, you know, at the orthodontist with my, my daughter the other day. And it's, it's funny because if someone that gets there later than what you were in the little waiting room and they get to go ahead of you, you, you want them to explain that to you. It's like, wait, we've been sitting here waiting and it is, it, it, it waiting becomes a competition. And, you know, you, you have to go back to when you are in that competitive spirit and you're trying to like go through your to-do list and and when you're waiting in a long line at the airport and you think, you know, especially. And and, and wait, I must interrupt you. Do you remember our, we always have these little competitions at the airport when we go through security, who can get through fastest. And, um, and and again, we're assessing the thing competition going, I'm going to take this lane. I'm going to beat you. And it's like, you you just have to sometimes, because you know, the waiting can be painful for temperaments like us. So you have to make a game out of it. Sometimes well, and I game out of it. But what's so funny is one time we were doing that, we're looking at each other and our lines are kind of tied and we're going, and then you were the one that was causing everyone to pile up because it was your bag and your shoes and your jewelry. And so then it becomes so comical that if you don't make a joke out of it and make a game out of it, waiting can be very, I mean, it, it really is having that patience but first of all, having patience with yourself and being able to, to laugh through it, enjoy the moment. And it goes back to Psalm twenty seven fourteen, where wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Um, when we are waiting and we truly just, I, I like to think of it as casting the weight and your burdens on him, then it conjure, you know, just the visions of, of that, just giving it over to him, it changes your weight. Like you said, it it makes it into a game. You can enjoy it rather than just being so impatient through life. I know. And, you know, and we're talking about the, the waiting besides the lines. You know, we're always waiting a lot of times for the right season before we engage in something. You know, we have this thing like, I'm going to do this when. So I'm going to wait to get through this season, whether it's getting my kids through school, whether it's, you know, getting myself through school or whatever it is. I'm waiting and then I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity to engage in something, or I'm waiting for that right job to come along, and then I'm going to really engage in whatever. And I know a lot of women are waiting for that right man to come along, mm-hmm. and it's like, that, and then I'll be complete, and then I'll be okay. So I'm waiting for, um, and you know, we're always that waiting game is can just be painful, and that waiting game can be filled with anxiety, where you're just like, you, you know, you're there's there's angst inside because you're waiting in this tension. And sometimes that's not bad because in, the, in those moments of waiting is a lot of times when our character is being built. It's when we're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're most vulnerable or we we'll, we'll listen to the, the voice of God a lot of times in that time because we're like, I, I have nothing else going. I'm waiting. Um, but it, a lot of times with that anxiety, it can, we can allow that to take us down a, you know, a destructive path because we're just, we're going to make life happen on our own terms. And we're going to, you know, just push something forward that maybe it's not time for it. And so that whole thing with time, I just find that very intriguing and interesting because I know, um, we just live in such an instant gratification society where we just want everything right now. And we want it the way, you know, we want it. You know, it's like, it's interesting because you just think of all the modern conveniences. Like I just even think like this morning, I, you know, fix a coffee with a Keurig machine, put my little thing in there instantly. I have that cup of coffee ready for me and we just don't want to wait anymore. And, but sometimes there is that 
um, silver lining and the waiting. It, it develops things. And a lot of times we look at things and I, I don't know, but sometimes I think I'm so glad I didn't get what I thought I was ready for because mm-hmm. had I got it, I was not ready for it at that time. Well, it's interesting. But we think we are. Yeah, that you say that because that goes back to um, just you know waiting on the Lord and really, like you said, there's so much anxiety in in our world today, and we really weren't created for that kind of stress and being that impatient. So it's creating that anxiety. Even Harvard did some research on, you know, obviously goals are good. Writing down your goals, having your five-year, 10-year, you know, goals. But what's happened with that is we're so out to reach the goals and we live, like you said, in that world of instant gratification and it's just like rush, rush, rush to get to the goals. And then when the, in the long-term research, when they've come back to these people who've hit their goals, it's like, how did that make you happy? How did it make you feel? Now are you content because you've hit your goal? And they're actually even more restless and more anxiety because they now they have to make an even bigger goal. And so not saying goals aren't good, obviously, but we also have to be content in the moment and just enjoy it. And realize that that should be part of our goal. Mm-hmm. Well, and as you're thinking about, like, you know, we wait for different things. Sometimes you're waiting for something, some devastating news. Like, you, you know, you, you're you waiting for a test result back to find out, you know, how serious your your illness could be. And those are, you know, those are those are tough moments and, and you're just waiting for an answer. And so you have to mentally prepare yourself for different outcomes. You know, what if it's this outcome? What if it's that? And, and then be ready to, when it comes, you know, go, okay, if it is worst case scenario, what, what is my silver lining here? And, you know, a lot of times it's like those times are, are difficult, but I think we've all been in some difficult times like that, you know, the loss of somebody or the loss of, you know, um, a dream or whatever. And, you know, it's not to compare people's losses and, and waiting times, but they can be devastating to, to each one of us in our own way. And it's hard to, you look back on those times, once you're through them and you're like, okay, but that was, there were some sweet moments in that because I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about God. I learned that God is personal in those moments. Um, I, I saw some things I would not have seen had I not gone through that. But when you're going through it, it's just so painful and, and you, you want to rush it through. You want to speed it up. And yet that's not always the best thing to do. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to talk about today is what does it mean to wait? What's involved? How are we to wait? Who and what are we waiting for? Why should we wait? And we have some great information on the next few segments as we go into the show talking about waiting. Well, we're going to have our special guest, Tez Brooks, who he has his own um he has a really significant journey that I think we're going to find helpful. And we're going to find a lot of insights in that because he's going to be talking a little bit about the waiting too and, you know, what that looked like for him. And I think we, we learned so much from other people's stories. And when we get find that encouragement and that strength sometimes to go, okay, I can do it. You know, I, I watch other people and, and I learn from their stories and their experience and their waiting. And a lot of times that, help, that helps us so much on our own journey uh, as, as we wait and as we get through it. Um, you know, um, 
I, um, we were talking about this whole waiting. Uh, this is a quote. It's, it's, if you wait to do everything until you're sure it's right, you'll probably never do much of anything. And sometimes you have to quit waiting and move forward and um, knowing when it's time to, to get off the waiting game and to step into, into life. And so we're going to be talking about that with our next guest, Tez Brooks. So you want to stick around, and we just want to ask you again, what are you waiting for? Is there something in your life right now that you're just waiting for, that you need to take a first step? Or is there something in your life that you need to just be in that waiting room of life and learn some life lessons and through it and bring others along in that journey? So wherever you are on this journey of this waiting game, we want you to stay with us and we're going we're gonna to talk it through. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Littman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Joining us now is our special guest, Tez Brooke. And he has been a writer since 1980. His experience includes serving as editor-in-chief for Today magazine, a publication of Campus Crusade for Christ, and as managing editor for, editor for the Jesus Film Project. His articles have been published in magazines including Australian Family, 
Eternity and Worldwide Challenge, among others, of course. And Tez has also authored two other books, Imagine Australia and Somewhere in the Journey. As a former law enforcement officer, his ability to relate to the everyday man with transparency and humor sets him apart. He is an international speaker whose passion is to see husbands and fathers succeed as courageous men of God. And um, Tez, we cannot wait to hear a little bit more about your newest book and also um, the film that, that you have been as a writer and producer for the Jesus Film Project. So welcome, Tez, to the show. Thanks, ladies. It's great to be with you. Well, Tez, first of all, tell us a little bit more about this, um, the Jesus Film Project that you've been working on, and has that come out? Well, uh, yes, it came out, uh, this is funny, in 1979, and uh, we've been around that long. We are part of, we're under the umbrella of Crew, uh, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. So the Jesus film is in over 1,300 languages now, and uh, it first came out in 1979. Since then, we've made several other films, and uh, I work with the film production uh Department. Uh, my job is to write uh, short films <clears throat> that would engage um, millennials in uh, spiritual conversations. Okay, so I remember addition- this film now. I remember the Jesus film. That was a biggie that we were like, um, my, my kids have, have been involved off and on and on Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, bringing that to the like people's doors and stuff. Yeah, that yes. film's been around forever. That's awesome. Yeah, and what makes that one stand out from the others is it's the only Jesus film that's actually word for word from the book of Luke. So that kind of makes it uh, different from the others. But yeah, I, I love doing what I do. We are full-time missionaries with, with the Jesus film, and uh, I've been on staff 13 years with them, and I love the travel, and we've lived overseas. It's a great uh, ministry. There's another one coming out. I, I wanted to say it's coming out this weekend. Um, have you heard? That's what I was thinking, this one. Uh, I, yeah. And, and now they're um, much bigger than us. That's, that's uh, Hollywood. <laughs> okay, yes. That's the film that I, I'm, I'm thinking of. So, But, yes, well, yours is huge, too. That, yeah, that's been very widely distributed. Um, so tell us about this book. I, I love this concept, The Single Dad Detour. Um, I can't imagine what you, you've gone through. I will say my brother was married for 30 years, and he's a pastor at a mega church, and he just recently has gone through the divorce. So this really resonated with me um, when I saw your book because uh, the church is obviously taking a, a different perspective, a different look, and I think this is um, a book that really needs to be out there. So tell us what your journey that led to you writing this Sure. Well, I was uh, I was in ministry as well, uh, and after about ten years of marriage and two children, uh, my wife uh, decided to to leave me. So that was unexpected and quite a sad story. But um, what I, happened with that? What what all of a sudden did did that just throw you, or is this something that you realized? Okay, I kind of knew this was coming. Uh, yeah, I saw it coming. Uh, 
there was some unfaithfulness that uh, we were dealing with and some um, bipolar disorder and and some other things that really made it difficult and we didn't know uh, it was undiagnosed um, and so I just thought marriage was supposed to be difficult like that I was young and didn't really have anyone speaking into my life telling me you know this isn't normal um, mm-hmm. and so yeah I kind of saw it coming uh, but it still was upsetting and, and I kind of was feeling like well I'm sure we can work through anything uh, but you can't make someone love you you can't make someone stay and uh, especially if they're um, sick and, and neither one of us knew about it so uh, yeah there was a lot of things that I think if we knew more we could have prevented um, some of that disaster but at any rate uh, I was left with uh, with yeah with two children uh, they didn't live with me immediately uh, I was single in between my two marriages for about seven years and the kids lived lived with me about half of that time so about three and a half okay. years I had them with me so Taz during this time um, are you first of all how old were the kids and are you feeling like I have to give them an explanation as to why this took place and are you wanting to kind of throw your ex-wife under the bus because mm. you don't want the blame on you? That's a great question. The kids were young. Uh, my daughter was uh, seven and my son was four. Mm. Uh, so they weren't quite ready to hear um, the reason why this happened. And so it was difficult. And I think it's difficult for any man uh, to continue to take the high road and and never speak negatively if there's a bad breakup. And so I failed a few times. Uh, things would slip out. But for the most part, I would take the high road and I would just keep quiet. Uh, and as the kids grew up, they're adults now, uh, they begin to realize some things and they've come to me since and said, you know what, that must have been very difficult. We're seeing now some... some um, some realities that we didn't realize as children. And so uh, that's always good. But sometimes you just have to wait a long time to, to find out if, if that um, is going to, if they're going to connect the dots or not. So I would encourage any man uh, and woman, if you're not, if it's a bad breakup, please take the high road. Keep, mm-hmm. keep your lips sealed. Um, yeah, that's nothing that you really need to communicate with the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Tez, when um, you're going through this, I know uh, women are more prone to be relational and to have like a community around them than men. And men tend to just kind of, you know, go through a journey alone, something devastating too, for different reasons. Did you have a community of, of people or men in your life um, kind of supporting you, you know, speaking words of encouragement just as you're going through this or, did, or with you, did you find yourself isolated in this part of the journey? Yeah, I think as men, we tend to isolate when we go through stress uh, for several reasons. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, pure pride. We don't want people to know that we're, that we're needing help. And so Back then, uh, it was not really in vogue to have uh, accountability partners or to have uh, an older man as a mentor speaking into your life. Uh, community wasn't even uh, a big word uh, back in the 90s when I was going through this. And so, no, to answer your question, I didn't have community. I had some church friends, 
but even that, you know, you, you talk about who gets custody of the kids. We were trying to also figure out who gets custody of the church mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the church friends. And uh, in fact, I wrote an article that uh, if people sign up on my website uh, for my monthly newsletter, I'll send a free article called Seven Ways Your Church Can Minister to Single Dads. Because I mm. think we need to know that we've fallen short in that area. The church is really good at um, ministering to single moms and widows, but I think the men kind of fall through the cracks because we don't hear from them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question there because this is where I feel that, and this is my own skewed perspective because I absolutely love my body of Christ and, and I love the church, so I, I don't want it to come across that way. But I do think that we're failing in this area. We, we, we're getting you know so much better at it. Um, when you talk about that, coming from the male perspective, how what what kind of tips? Because most of our listeners are in ministry and they're church planners. What kind of tips would you say that the church, as we come along as the body of Christ? Because I, I grew up in a, in a more legalistic perspective that when there when divorce took place, we're going to take scriptures literally, and you are not allowed to remarry, you know, unless. As it as it says in Scripture, and it's in the New Testament, um, because of adultery, it would you know that would be adultery, blah blah blah. And it was more it was frowned upon that you would even put yourself out there into the dating world, and we're going to pray this marriage back into place. Hmm. Um, did that take place with you? And what tips would you give the church on following this? You know, because then, then you, you know what I'm saying, because then it's like, yeah. oh, you're not, you're not speaking truth into people. So what, what, what are your tips here? Yeah, well, that's, that's, those are great um, points, because I do think that the, you can go one of two ways. You can be really legalistic, um, or you can not address the topic at all. Uh, and that kind of happened with the church that I was in at the time. There were so many people that had been divorced and remarried that, um, the pastor didn't even really preach against divorce. It was never talked about because I think maybe he was afraid of losing some folks. I don't really know why, but uh, I would have loved for someone to uh, speak into our life and try to get that, that marriage to, to be um, salvaged. At any rate, it did not. And um, I have a, I have an opinion that isn't really popular, but uh Studies show, <laughs> to back me up, that um, men need to wait at least five years, and women, uh, between marriages, because it's going to take you that long to not only recover emotionally, but even financially. And so often, we see women waiting more longer, but we see men jumping in so quickly to another marriage be- with all this baggage that they have not healed of. Mm. And I just am so sad that I see so many of my friends that are getting divorced, and before they even allow time for the marriage to maybe even be salvaged, they're already dating and they're setting a a wedding date for a a new spouse within months even, not even a year. So that's an unpopular opinion, but I I just, it needs to be said, men, you got to wait, wait longer. (laughs) 
Well, and that's great advice because, I, and I, and, you know, both of us had lost our moms and we watched our dads do that. And my dad remarried pretty quickly just because the loneliness and just wanting companionship. Um, and so it is hard to wait. We've been talking about that this morning. It is really hard to wait when you're feeling that, that aloneness and, and devastation. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Tez, we just want to keep talking about this and the significance and, of men, even in the lives of their children. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, the saying used to be, Father knows best. But with changing cultural tides, a man's role in the family has been greatly diminished, especially when it comes to single dads. The divorced father is often portrayed in movies and television as an object of humor, ridicule, or pity, which is why Tez Brooks has written The Single Dad Detour, Directions for Fathering After Divorce. And we went into our our commercial break, Tez, with talking about um, just the tip of having men wait before they jump back into marriage. And, And we don't like that waiting game because we immediately want um, to to have that companionship. And I think there's a huge fear, uh, especially for men, well, I guess for, for women as well, but that we're going to 
we're going to grow old alone. And just that fear of, I, I, I can't do this by myself. Um, so I, I think that's a great tip. I also want to go back to, as a church, um, just surrounding you with that support and being the body of Christ that we're supposed to be and loving each other through this rather than kind of excommunicating you because you're, you know, going through divorce. And it, like I said, I think the church is getting better about this. And it's interesting because you were saying at your church, it really wasn't talking, you know, they, the, the pastor didn't really focus on um, that restitution, correct? Correct, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is important. And the church is doing much better over the years. Of course, this was back in the 90s, early 90s. Uh, so things were, were very different. But I think one thing that uh, married couples can do, uh, whether it's to single moms or single dads, is um, just to uh, really be there as a model for what uh, a healthy family should look like. Mm. I spoke to so many single dads and even single women uh, or single moms who are really crave um, the company of other adults. Uh, and a lot of times I think they feel like a third wheel. I know some of the men even felt like uh, maybe the the couples were looking at them like they were a single bachelor, you know, on the prowl. And, and that wasn't it at all. They were not even interested in, in another relationship. They just wanted to hang out so their kids could see what does it look like to have a mom and dad together and, and sometimes even inviting them uh, over for dinner because dads, you know, a lot of times we don't know how to cook <laughs> and it's just nice to have, uh, some, something green on your dinner plate once in a while instead of, uh, McDonald's or Taco Bell. And so <laughs> I think, you know, simple things can really minister a lot to, to single parents. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to father knows best. Uh, it, it's so true in, in our culture today the shows really either there is an absent father, which, you know, Hollywood has portrayed that as that's fine and dandy. And um, we really kind of make fun. It's like the woman is the one kind of making life happen and we're just going to mock the dad. Um, how can we like change the way the culture is going there where it's like you see this strong mom who can take on the world and the, the dad is just kind of over here flailing like a fish. Well, there is a reason why Hollywood uh, went in that direction because there are a lot of um, deadbeat dads and a lot of dads that just have no clue. But I think we're seeing a lot of that change. I mean, if you look at some of the shows, even for kids like Finding Nemo or uh, The Pursuit of Happiness, you see some very strong single dads. And I think Hollywood's trying to do better. They're realizing that they kind of went too far the other way, and so they're they're trying to make up for that. But I think just being picky about uh, what you <laughs> expose your kids to, mm-hmm. um, it, it can be hard. The media does have um, some, some, you know, harsh, harsh pictures and portraits of what a single daddy uh, is when a lot of that is just not really true. Uh, there's some really good single dads out there that are doing a great job. Well, okay, Tess, I want to go back to when you're, I, I really do appreciate your advice when you said, um, you know, you advise men uh, and women in between marriages to wait about five years. And um, I know that you've said that your time as a single dad, you know, 
made you a better father and a better husband. And um, you even just a quote, you said, the Lord spent those seven years of singleness rebuilding me into more of what he wanted me to be. My wife, Christine, has always said she would not have been attracted to the kind of man I was before. Um, I think that is really significant because w- what you find a lot of times is like as we talk to women and, you know, if they've just gone through a divorce or a breakup or just a devastating time and they're so quick to want to jump back in and to find the man because she doesn't feel complete without yeah. having that other person. And a lot of times in those moments, they're you're not totally, um, you're not healed from the woundedness or the brokenness and you're not in a really great healthy spot yet in that, that season, you're looking for, um, another person to complete you and to make you feel better. And so the person that would have been, that would be attracted to you, like what you're saying is not necessarily the best that you need at that time. You're not attracting uh, necessarily another healthy person to your unhealthiness. And so a lot of times you do need that space. And I think that is so significant. So can you just kind of explain that, how you really saw that, and from your your wife Christine's perspective? Sure. Uh, For myself, I mean, everybody's journey is a bit different. But for myself, I, um, excuse me, I had a lot of um, growing up to do, uh, especially spiritually. I think my propensity to try to find someone really quick is really, uh, for me at least, it was running from some pain that really uh, needed to happen in order to help me grow. Now, I could have um, started dating right away and even got remarried, and that would have prevented a lot of pain and loneliness. Uh, seven years is a long time to be alone, raising your kids. Uh, and I was tempted to, to really you know, pursue some relationships uh, and I, I'm thankful that I didn't, uh, because you're right. I was attracting some unhealthy relationships, and, and I think, really, it, it was about me not trusting God. And I often wonder if that's the same for everybody. Are we not trusting God with this pain, and are we just trying to run from some pain uh, when really that pain is the very thing that's going to help us mature and grow and bring to us someone who's very healthy? Because healthy people are not going to be un, uh, attracted to unhealthy people. That it just mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Hmm. Well, and well, that's so true. And that's where we see we want to take the shortcuts into the instant. It's like, and mm-hmm. and it goes back to that whole thing. I think we do fear growing old alone, and I think that's a yeah. deep fear in us. And so we want to um, do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, sure, and, 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 and so it's we scary. Make, absolutely. Um, okay, so keep expanding that. I don't want to interrupt you. No, that's all right. I just, I, I just remember um, coming to a point where I said, you know, God, I don't really want to get married or look for a partner. I'm pretty content using my singleness to serve you. I've got a lot of spare time on my hands. I really was enjoying life and thinking about growing old alone and thinking, what does that look like? I think I can handle it. It's looking, it's looking possible and doable. It was only at that point when God said, okay, I think you're ready now, and he sent Christine into my life. Out of the blue, had no clue that that, that was going to happen. And, uh, and I spent a year watching her, just kind of observing, because I was afraid. I was gun-shy. I didn't really want to get remarried, and yet this wonderful woman is standing in front of me, this woman who's never been married. Uh, and it took me a while to realize God had been preserving her just for me. Um, mm. But, you know, that... 
that happened only because I got to a point where I said, I, I think I'm content being single the rest of my life. Mm, wow. Um, did, that, the way you said that, Tez, I have, I have to tell you just that God, that what a gift, what an incredible gift because you waited and you were giving it over to God and that you basically got the, the gift of Christine. You know, so many times you, you hear of men that they feel like they're a failure in the mirror. So they just kind of, they give up on, on the family altogether and feel mm. like, okay, I can't even be a dad, a good dad to my children. And you've done a lot of research in your book where you, you've interviewed men. Um, tell us about that because once again, we're going back to this culture of the, the absentee father and um, just the expectations that, that are there. Tell us a little bit about this research that you um, have gained? Well, yeah, I, I had interviewed several of my friends and and even some strangers, friends of friends, uh, just asking them uh, what their journey looked like. And so I just basically had a questionnaire, and, and I, I knew the direction I wanted the book to head, but I knew that uh, if it was just my story, it's really not rich enough to really help anybody. Uh, we needed to you know, draw more people in in order to make it uh, a more richer experience for men. And, uh, yeah, I just ran across a lot of men that um, made decisions too quickly, uh, a lot of men who really didn't know what they were doing. And I wanted to add that to the book. I, I didn't want to, a book that was preachy that said, you know, this is what you need to do. I wanted a, uh, I wanted an experience for readers to, to hear, this is what I did wrong. Make sure you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um and to kind of laugh at ourselves because so often we don't laugh at ourselves. We're not able to take things lightly because we know the world is staring at us probably more so than a single mom. They're waiting for us to, to screw up, and we do screw up. And when we do, I think we're so hard on ourselves instead of saying, you know what, yes, I, I did that wrong, uh, but I'll, I've learned from it. For instance, I was trying to buy a bed for my son. I, uh, my kids had moved in with me. I got a nice bed for my daughter at a garage sale. Couldn't find a bed for him. So we were in the pet store later that day, and we went down the pet aisle where they have those large, extra-large Labrador Retriever um, <laughs> dog beds. You know where this is headed. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I looked at it and said, hmm, 1999, that's a great deal. So I took it home, and my son, Caleb, he was about seven at the time. He curled up in it. It was round-shaped. So when he turned it uh, in upon himself, he, he looked like a taco. He said, look, Dad, I'm a taco. And he was having a blast. But as soon as I saw him on the floor in a dog bed, I just could have kicked myself. I knew I wasn't going to get father of the year that year. <laughs> so I, I, the next day, I got rid of it and got a real bed. It's probably... That dog bed is probably under a bridge somewhere now making some guy very happy, but uh, it's not in my house. <laughs> well, okay, we have, we have to end on that, but you might not have um, got, you know, but you got the coolest father because what a cool <laughs> bed to have. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. All right.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. As a member of the baby boomer generation, you want insights and ideas that factor into planning for, making choices about, and activating your new or mothballed dreams. As a boomer, you can learn how to act on your visions by tuning into the Awakening to Awareness show on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you are inspired to follow your own path, Step into new directions and are excited about what you as a recent or soon-to-be retiree can do with your life. This is your show. Listen to the show that focuses on self-belief and possibilities for emerging seniors who look forward to life's third act with dread or amazing promise. Host Eric Tonigson and his guests share entertaining ideas and explore strategies to reignite your passions and shift your intentions into action. In his naturally curious and motivating ways, Eric explores personal values, shares wisdom, and encourages you to unlock and live your potential and purpose. Join Eric and his Awakening to Awareness show on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on the TogiNet Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are speaking with Tez Brooks, author of The Single Dad Detour, Directions for Fathering After Divorce. And Tez, you live with your wife, Christine. Now you guys are full-time missionaries who've recently returned from living overseas. And um, first of all, I wanted to to talk to you about Australia, because I'm assuming that is where where you um, used to live. And also, we ended on a dog bed story, so I kind of want to go back to that, just the rocky road of, of single fatherhood. But tell us a little bit, I'm assuming, did you live in Australia? Yes, Patty, we did. Uh, me and Christine and our two lovely daughters that we've had since we've remarried. We've been married 13 years, and we've got an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old daughter. Uh, we moved to Australia, and uh, for, that was one of our assignments with Campus Crusade, with crew. And we were there for about two years. Um, we loved it. It was awesome. In fact, that's where I started writing the book uh, while I was in Australia. Yeah. Uh- I love Australia. Um, I was blown away by just all the kangaroos that are there, kind of like what we look at as scorpions here in Arizona. You guys have kangaroos everywhere. But um, being there, and, and you said you you have adult children, how did how are they taking, and did you put this in, in, in your book, um, sometimes 
your other children feel like they're just kind of the disposable kids when you move into a whole another world with a whole another family. Have you been able to chat with them about that, and how is that going for you? Yes, I was uh, careful to be very sensitive about that. In fact, I I asked them, you know, how you feel about it. My son was still living with us at the time, and I knew that it meant uh, uh, launching him into the world maybe a little quicker than he was expecting to be launched. Uh, but he handled it well, and the Lord helped us to prepare him to be a man on his own, and he was doing really he he did really well. My daughter uh, was um, getting ready to be married. She was engaged and living out of state. It wasn't a big deal for her. She's like, "Yeah, follow follow whatever God is calling you to do, Dad." She was excited for for me. So yeah, I even when I was writing the book, I wanted to make sure that I was honoring their mother, uh, that I was truthful about things, and yet not. Uh, putting in too much detail that would be dishonoring. And so I consulted them a lot when I was writing the book. And whenever we have a major family decision, I call them and ask them what they think. We were at one point thinking of adopting, and I wanted their input. What do you feel about, you know, I know that it was an adjustment having two younger sisters that you never thought you'd have. What if we were to add another little boy to the mix? What does that look like for you guys, and how do you feel? So I think it's important to ask uh, because they're part of the family. Whether they live with you or not, uh, they need to be part of that decision, and uh, they've been really gracious to us. And uh, There's a lot of things that are different from what their lifestyle would be, and yet they've said, go for it, Dad. So... They've been a real blessing to me. I think just that is such a great tip, asking them. When that kind of communication takes place, I know we, we talked, uh, Michael Landon Jr., um, we had him on the show, and he was just sharing that in in his world, he remembers his dad taking the new family off to Disneyland and mm-hmm. not even being invited. And that, that was such an image um, that if all it is is just, asking the question or explaining as to why we're doing it this way. Um, Otherwise you just feel so discarded when it's just this expectation of, Hey, Mm -hmm. even though you're a child, you're just going to have to figure this out versus just, I love that. It's, it's all in the communication uh, of asking the question. It is. And that's the main thing is just ask, you know, they may, it kind of turns things around for them where they might normally feel jealous I mean, the reality of our life is I, in my 20s, when I when they were little children, uh, I didn't have the finances, their mother and I both didn't, to do some of the things that we're now able to do uh, with our young daughters, uh, with, you know, my, my new family. I, I hate to say new because it's not a new family. It's not replacing any other family. Um, the younger kids. We have more money to do more things. And so, yeah, that... I, I kind of knew that was probably going to be an issue, and so just talking to them about that. You know, kids are a lot more understanding what we think. If you just ask a question, then it brings the reality to their forefront of their mind, and they're like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Of course, it's not that you love us more. I mean, that you love them more. It's that you have more money to do stuff, and you would have done it had you had the money back when you were younger. Yeah, so. it goes from the jello. Jealousy, like you said, to feeling mm-hmm. valued when you're yes. just asking the, the question. Hmm. Yeah. 
Well, Tez, we, um, we just so appreciate you joining our show um, and just sharing your story and what God has taught you in your journey and your journey of waiting. And your book, The Single Dad Detour, um, you give a lot of down-to-earth wisdom and insight into men and just really encouraging men to be um, just the husband, the the father that God is calling them, and the, even the leader, you know, leader within their family, within the church that God is calling them to be. Um, we want to make sure that our listeners know how to find you and how to get a copy of this book. And also, you, you mentioned earlier that you have an article that if people want to, Seven Ways the Church Can Minister to Single Dads. Can you tell us how we find this information and find mm-hmm. your book and follow you? Absolutely, Patty. If they go to everysingledad.com, and they can find the link to sign up for my monthly newsletter, if they do that, I'll, as, a, as a thank you, I'll send them that article, uh, Seven Ways Your Church Can Minister to Single Dads. Uh, I just love uh, being a, a support and, and to single dads everywhere, and it's just my passion, because I know I didn't have that when I was going through it, and I believe God's kind of called me to, to take this on and just encourage men because I want them to walk away f- feeling encouraged that they can do this and God is in their corner. Well, and what would you say just um, to people in the church, you know, when because when, when somebody does get a divorce, I mean, it, it it's painful, it's devastating on many fronts, and it does alter relationship, like you, you alluded to earlier, like with couple friends. Um, what would you advise people that are having friends that are maybe recently divorced going through that? How, how would you advise as friends, as a church community to just come around and embrace um, people that are in that journey? I would say what they need most is uh, love and support. Uh, they don't need to pick sides, and most couples don't want to pick sides. The sad thing for my ex-wife is a lot of my friends chose sides. They chose the person who decided to stay in the church and stay connected. And that was sad for me to see uh, my ex-wife kind of get pushed out of that of those circles um, because they couldn't relate to her anymore. And so I would say be friends to both um, mm. yeah, and love them. Just put your arms around them and, and uh, guide them scripturally, not what you think needs to be done, but what does scripture say about uh, divorce and remarriage. Uh, know what you're talking about before you give advice on that. And that that's pretty significant because we are so quick to offer unsolicited advice that we think we know best. And it can just be damaging on so many levels, and especially because when you're in that moment, you're very vulnerable. And words can yeah. really penetrate your heart and your soul in ways that don't normally. Um, just for men, just to encourage them in that journey, um, what what would you say? Uh, I would say hopefully they learn to laugh at themselves, uh, like I did in my book several times. Um, yeah, I, I think grace, if they can speak to themselves grace and realize, like I said earlier, that God is in your corner. You can do this. You are capable of doing that. You're a strong man, and God chose you to be their father. So be intricately involved in their ki- in your kids' lives. You might be tempted to walk away and think they're going to be better off without you. Don't do that because that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to, to believe the, the enemy's lies on that, and that, that is a great tip. You know, it's funny, Tez, because you made a comment, um, you know, just love. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's 
always so interesting to me because that is the best tip, but that's the one we struggle with the most, especially like you said, when we're looking at things through our lens and uh, we, we want people to do it our way. And rather than just going, you know what, I, I'm going to, to love you because that's what God has commanded me to do. Um, I have a real quick question. Your Twitter is at Tez63. What does that 63 stand for? Uh, that, that's the year of my birth now. Thanks a lot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so it's Tez D as in dog, 63. That. Think of the dog bed. So Tez D, 63. Okay, that's funny. I, I thought I thought I wonder if that's when. Thanks, Patty. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Welcome. Not, nothing is sacred. We, nothing is sacred on our show. That's right. And and you, and you did say that we have to learn to laugh at ourselves, right? So yeah. Okay. And yes. okay, back to that dog bed. I just got to tell you, I, I love those stories because that. You know, and I'm okay with the dog bed because we have a dog, and and um, my husband came home with one of those from like Costco that's really light and plush. And our grandkids think it's the coolest bed. They think it's for them. You know, they just kind of curl up in that. So I, I yeah. think you were a cool father with that. You know, I don't think you had to get had to get over it. But um, <laughs> but those are just cool stories. Those are the those are the real things. And those are the things that your kids will remember. And I like yeah. that laughter because we have to laugh. And laughter sticks. And we remember that because life is so serious. So many. So many times that you, you really do have to laugh at yourself in the journey. And because we just appreciate you just being real and sharing that. And I know you've offered so much encouragement just to our listeners today. Um, and, and just it's a, reminding us as, as the church that we need to be there, um, you know, and, and create that around people in their journeys and in their waiting times. Because um, none of us want that. So we just have like 45 seconds. Is there anything you just want to leave us with? Just for our listeners, one more thing, um, just to encourage men, to encourage women in the journey. Mm. Um, love your kids well. Uh, I think there's that word love again. It just um, it solves so many problems. I think just loving your kids well and and entering their world uh, as busy as you are when they say, come look at what I built with my Legos or, or come look at this assignment I have to do in, in class. Uh, rather than just saying, uh-huh, and reading the newspaper, you know, we just need to get off our hind end and enter their world. Uh, that's how relationships going to happen. Well, and we appreciate that advice and in just engaging, engaging in the world around you. So yeah. thank you again for joining us. Go engage in your day and have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.